Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest streaming releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and we have four movies for you this week. Godzilla vs. Kong, Shiva Baby, Moffy, and Concrete Cowboy. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... The pandemic is too short for that mess. It's getting shorter. Sure is. Sure is. Um, And uh, speaking for myself, I will say that I am vaccinated. You are? Against the flu? or (laughs) Against, well, against whatever you want to call COVID. I, uh, I am, I have, as we speak, I have Johnson and Johnson coursing through my body and not in the way I usually have Johnson coursing through my body. There you go. Uh, Heyo. And uh, you know what? It's been fine. It's been almost uh, troublingly fine uh, where I'm just like, did I get a placebo or (laughs) Um, like as we speak, it's been eight days since I got it. And ah, you're ha- part of the L.A. posse that it all went down for those last Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> like everybody I know in L.A. went yesterday to get it from the army. Oh, yes. Well, no, I uh, well, no, I got it uh, last weekend. But yes, oh. no, our, our, our mutual friends who got it yesterday have been texting me today saying that they have been having side effects. And really? they have been quite dramatic. What? Uh, yes. So uh, uh, going through hell was a phrase that was used. Uh, wow. What? Yes. Yes. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like we, we've known, you know, we know from, you know, the CDC that, of course, like side effects vary by person. Mm-hmm. And there's there's no one one way to respond to it. And some people have nothing at all. Right. Some people are um, strong par- and some people are weak. Yeah, exactly. Some people, yeah. I mean, you know, as, as 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 our friend Brooke said, I come from hardy stock, she said. Uh, so I didn't have a, you picked as a, you know, pegged as a strong one, but <laughs> well, you know, it's surprises. a win. Well, not if not strong, then stocky. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a win. It's a win for a stocky frame. Um, it's not a density factor. It's a. <laughs> Is it? Well, I guess it is. Right I don't know. I mean, that's that was that was a Brooks analysis, um, <laughs> Doctor Brooke. But um, but yeah, it's 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 been you know fine for me. I also uh, so Pennsylvania has been by all accounts an absolute shit show uh, with mm-hmm. vaccines. Uh, they have basically no overarching unified way to book appointments. So uh, the residents of Pennsylvania are left to quite literally look up the each individual website of each individual location of each individual provider of each individual vaccine. Um, And, uh, and so, you know, and given the median age of Pennsylvania, it's not been, it's not been great. Um, So Scott, uh, like a superhero swept in and scheduled J and J's for both my mother and father. What a Uh, sweetheart. What a sweetheart, uh, which they have since gotten. And uh, as of recording time, they are both doing fine. Knock, knock. Uh, Despite the fact that my aunt, my dad's sister, has been texting me horror stories of dubious source uh, about (laughs) J&J and and essentially preemptively accusing me of killing my father. Uh, (laughs) So uh, and I never uh, would have suspected that one. No, no, I've really I played a long game, really, uh, these <laughs> these 39 years. But now it's all coming together. Uh, cut to this being played in courtroom as evidence against me. Uh, <laughs> and I laugh. <laughs> yes. And you are indeed a uh, prosecution witness. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I couldn't believe when you said it, but he just kind of said it out loud. And I was I like, whoa. I that nervousness. <laughs> I knew it was next. I had, had to play along uh, just to, you know, keep him confessing. You understand. Uh <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I am now six days away as we speak from having the two week kind of, you know, uh, uh, marinating period, uh, the scientific term for it. Um, <laughs> like a Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, absolutely. Brine that's, through and through. <laughs> that's me. That's me just reaching peak brine. 
<laughs> and uh, whereas Scott is doing Moderna because of the Dolly Parton factor. Uh, mm. So so he's getting his second uh, on, I think, April 27th. So it'll be until two weeks after that that our household can fully rejoice uh, at, at, at being kind of, you know, fully cooked and baked. But uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. I think my, my primary reaction so far has been one of impatience. Oh, uh, a general impatience of like, well, I'm good. Let's fucking go. Um, which, again, I know you don't understand. Um, oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> go where? Will there be other people there? <laughs> Gross. Why? Oh uh, yeah. Um yeah, yeah, that's been my that's my response. It's just been to be like, well, <laughs> if I didn't have senioritis before, I sure have it now. <laughs> uh let's get this shit show on the road, everyone. Uh but uh but yes. So I am so so very thankful that I've been able to have access to it and so very thankful to all the people around the world that uh you know that have that have worked so hard in such a short period of time to get these vaccines out there. So uh I am feeling good, feeling bullish, uh, feeling cautiously optimistic. Uh, and for the counter perspective, Rebecca, what's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate that little piece you put at the end there that uh, will get you some sympathy on the sand. <laughs> They're not going to play it in court. <laughs> You're like cutting this out of the episode. <laughs> Flagging I, you. Uh, <laughs> I have. I've also received the um, my first shot of the Moderna vaccine. Oh, uh, you and Scott are twins. Mm-hmm. I got it on Thursday. Uh, Soul got Pfizer also on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, it also was suspiciously painless. Uh, we had just gotten the flu vaccine last year. I think it was like right when COVID was starting, and we were like, "Oh, we should get." You know, it's always like it's flu vaccine, and we're like, "Okay, let's get it," uh, thinking it would do anything. Um, but you know, it was like February, nobody knew. And I remember it being like particularly painful. And I, and I was like telling soul afterwards, like, oh yeah, you have to like relax your arm when you get a shot. Like someone told me that once and and it makes it a lot easier. And we like, oh, you should have told me that before, which was just yeah. a memorable conversation because this one really felt like nothing. Um, it was suspiciously painless getting it, uh, getting the shot, but uh, but I have it. I have had no side effects except, you know, the, the sore arm. Right. Luckily. Um, you know, maybe there will be more side effects with the second one, which I think I'm getting something like, um, May, May 6th or May 8th. But, right. um, it's been, it's been, it's been wonderful. I, uh, I thought about lying and saying I had <laughs> side <laughs> effects so that I wouldn't have to work on Friday, but I, uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Didn't want to do it. I, I do have to say that. Uh, so I got it at a CVS and, um, you, you kind of go in and there was somebody at a little table in the front of the store who took my information and, you know, filled out my little card. And, and then they're like, you know, go back to the the back of aisle 18. And, and they had like a little clinic set up there with the little doors and, and two nurses that were administering in the little makeshift waiting room in front. And so I'm standing there in the front of the line and, um, <laughs> Uh, the there were the two nurses were occupied giving other people the shot and I'm standing and standing for about 10 minutes and I think they were having maybe like an issue with their little handheld computer and this woman comes up this this older woman with a dog uh, in the store comes up cuts in front of me and sits in one of the chairs and I was <laughs> like this is exactly why I don't want to go out into public now I'm gonna have to have a confrontation about how this lady like cut in front of me in line. And like, did she not, she clearly saw me. She walked past me to, and I was like getting all worked up. Um, <laughs> turns out she just knew one of the nurses and wanted to say goodbye to her. Cause she was leaving the store. Uh, and it wasn't a thing, but I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not ready to go back out there quite yet because you know, you're, a little, even, you're a little, you're a brawler, you're a fighter. You're, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's true. You're like, listen, I don't want to have to start fights again for no reason. And no I'm reason. going to, Yeah. I just re- the way I react is just not good for me, um, <laughs> and I need to figure that out before this becomes a regular thing going out into public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's tough. I can I can see that. I can see that. Um, and you know, I, I I have seen you uh, seek out conflict in public before, so I, I know that you uh, you are speaking from a truthful place when you, you say have? this. Oh yeah. Oh, like with <laughs> someone other than you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> we'll have to catch up about that sometime. It'll make you forget all of that. Googling a men in black mind eraser. 
But that said, of course, I am also incredibly grateful um, to science, scientists, and all the people um, who could make this possible. And, you know, at, at the very least, I, I will feel a little bit safer um, to be able to do things that we have to do. And um, it'll be nice. <laughs> it'll, it'll be nice not to feel like going to the store means that uh, I'm not going to, you know, end up in the hospital and, and clog up hospitals. And, you know, right. it's just like, I feel like we've been carrying a lot of weight about taking care of society as a whole because of our, you know, collapsing infrastructure. Right. And it'll be nice yeah. to not, not have to, not to feel like that kind of burden. Right. And then when the when the city comes and drags you out of your house because you gray gardens it, uh, at least you <laughs> won't have to be worried about COVID. So <laughs> at least there is that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How are you with needles? Were you were you nervous about getting the shot or are you just like, oh, whatever? Like, that sounds like if you already got that flu shot. See me. I never get a flu shot ever, really? ever, ever. Absolutely not. And I usually like, and I, you know, it's, it's worked out for me so far. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't tend to really get uh, the flu uh, each year. So I guess, you know, coming out, coming after this, you know, it might be a thing that's not quite as optional because I'm sure in the, in the immediate first few years or so after um, right now, it might not really be something you can kind of like wave away. Right. You might just kind of need to get the booster shot or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely, if I can, if I can not get a needle, I will just absolutely say no to that needle. Um, I, I don't like them. I do, um, feel like I'm going to pass out and I get very scared, but I do, I do it. Yeah. But I'm not at all cool. I'm like sweating <laughs> and nervous. And... I will say this one, this one was really a breeze. It was, it felt like I just, like someone like just pushed me with their finger. It, it didn't feel like a poke. Yeah. It was such anything. a tiny little, it was a tiny little thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't like they, you, you know, they weren't bearing down you with some like long dripping needle. Um, you know, it, it looked like it was like an inch long, if that, the, the actual needle part of it. And, you know, I just have to remind myself, I was literally like pinching myself on the drive up there um, to like remind myself that like, hey, pain is temporary. And also it's just a pinch. And look, here's a pinch. Did you survive it? You did. You're fine. Wow. Um, so that was my process uh, to to get myself ready. And then regrettably, the only thing that I would say uh, was regrettable about it was I've been doing, um, you know, these different yoga programs for the last year plus during the pandemic. And they have built muscle in that general area around sort of the That's upper arm shoulder idea. area. That's why yep. you have to not flex. The more yep. muscle is what makes it painful. Absolutely. Oh, you're just too buff. I'm too fucking ripped. And, you know, and I did not... I did not flex, um, but I had built up muscle there. And so because I, you know, do down dog five times a week for over a year and you're going to get muscle there. And uh, too so to live, too <laughs> cowardly to die. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so it, it did take me a full week to be able to sort of like roll over onto that side while I'm sleeping and to not be like, oh, um, so, but I, I feel like I'm out of the woods now. My father claims the needle hit the bone for him, but we're just <laughs> like, add, you're crazy. That's not possible. That's really, um, that's really unlikely. Soul had a really big bruise on hers. Um, it just, it's so funny how different it is for different people. I mean, I'm, you know, administering techniques are different and, um, but still it seems to even just the physical yeah. place where it, it resides is, is yeah. Interesting. Runs well, are you all okay now? Do you want a little candy, or are you gonna <laughs> be able you. to do your yoga, your little downtown? Well, I actually had to also stop doing yoga for the whole first week after getting backstage because then, like the next day, when I was kind of staggering around in like a sort of like post-vaccine stupor, I like I I fucking mangled my left foot on like one of our uh, uh, like sort of outdoor deck umbrella stands. And uh, which I mean, I was like, I, I think that I was had like a low level kind of fluish thing that first day because like I woke up clammy and I was kind of not fully um, in my body. And yet I still was like, let me go out here and trim the dead ends off all these leaves and, you know, whatever house stuff. And uh, so, yeah, so I my my toes, two of my toes, on my left foot were very nearly broken. Uh, and so I had to just take the whole last week to not do anything with those toes and yoga is very toe forward. 
So, uh, <laughs> so I'll start building my muscle back up tomorrow. All right. So this is um, uh, a movie podcast. Um, oh, right. Not not a shall not we? A toe, not a toe muscle podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's get to it. Okay. Thank you. Movie number one is Godzilla versus Kong. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home. Along for the ride is Gia, an orphaned girl who has a unique and powerful bond with the mighty beast. However, they soon find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla as he cuts a swath of destruction across the globe. The initial confrontation between the two titans, instigated by unseen forces, is only the beginning of the mystery that lies deep within the core of the planet. All right. The movie you have been waiting for. (laughs) Versus. First it was... Versus you had uh, the D'Angelo one, you had oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, Patty LaBelle and Gladys Knight, right? And Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does feel like, um, you know, th- these are these are the moments that feel like a shame. This is the kind of thing where you would have wanted to get the giant popcorn, the giant soda, the candy, the air conditioned theater, and mm-hmm. you know experience it in a way where you know you were ready for the the um eventual amusement park ride that would give right. you this experience but i i do like that they you know release it anyway in at home and, and kind of you know still make that a possibility yes yeah and you try know, to recreate so- that a little bit with yeah. the big popcorn and the soda oh. Oh, did you, oh yeah because you are you are like a, an always popcorn person at the yeah. movies mm-hmm I, I remember that about you. Yes. <laughs> and you and, were always uh, trying to steal some. <laughs> not really. Anyway, go on. Um, but, uh, you know, especially when I was doing keto. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, right. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's true. You know, whether on a big screen or watching on your iPhone, you can still tell that there's still not as much tension as there was between Brandy and Monica. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there's a movie here all the same. Yeah, this is definitely one of, out of all the movies that HBO Max, you know, is debuting this year that would have been a giant Warner tentpole. This is the one where you could perhaps most have reasonably have deduced, like, maybe wait for this one. Mm. Um, like, why? Like, it's because there's literally there's 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 nothing to the movie except for the clash scenes. Um, you know, the attempts mm. to create any sort of like multi-character human drama are hollow, to say the least. Um, I had to, I just watched this movie, I guess, like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And I had to read a review today to remind myself of literally anything that happened in it. Uh, <laughs> so I'll start with that. You remember um, the fight scenes, though? I remember that they had fight scenes. Um, okay. And I remember that Alexander Skarsgård is still very handsome. <laughs> and those were my takeaways uh, uh, for my first time watching this. But I mean, I do remember that it, it was fun. It, you know, it's a fun movie. It's uh, it's directed by Adam Wingard, uh, who is sort of a a very cool like genre director. Um, he did a really horrifically brutal but very fun home invasion movie called You're Next. Um, and uh, so he's he's a fun one to give the reins uh, for for a project like this. And and I think that you can feel him having fun with it. It's definitely not a case of a movie like this, you know, a monster movie, a superhero movie, whatever, that's taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm, uh, because mm-hmm. because that's that's the rub when you're watching a movie like this and it's just joyless. And you know the the filmmakers are carrying on like they're you know doing Citizen Kane. Um, and you know, when, when we all are aware that the actors are just like sitting alone in front of a green screen, um, <laughs> <Citizen> so, Kong. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I, this was at least this, this movie knew what kind of movie it was. And I feel like it was generally a pretty fun time. Definitely the definition of a popcorn, um, uh, summer movie. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess given the timing, um, seeing that things are, you know, possibly clearing up there. I mean, what Shiva Baby's playing in theaters, um, mm-hmm. it, it's not the same as it was in, you know, November, December when they released Wonder Woman 1984, um, which was, I think, a genius move at the time. You know, releasing it on Christmas, but um, I think there was a little less clarity then about when you could put people in the theaters. I think you could reasonably say like a late August when it's still summer because this could have come out more broadly in theaters and could have waited. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, Cause yeah, that's, it's the whole thing is that 
what this film, what what this movie does best is the big fight scenes in in glorious lit up Hong Kong and uh, Middle Earth. Is that what is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> I believe it's Hollow Earth. Ah, okay. Um, but I mean, technically, it's the middle of the earth. No, no. Um, yeah, it's it's huge mm-hmm. and it's glorious and it feels like a a roller coaster. And it would have been great to see in in IMAX, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's it's hard to. I mean, yeah, it's 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 difficult to imagine folks watching this. You know, people who to, who are kind of uh, relegated to watching things on on laptops and iPads, mm. like just just watching, imagining this, you know, the spectacle and the scale of it trying to play out on on that kind of smaller screen. It just can't. It, like uh, uh, untold hundreds of millions, obviously, were sunk into this. Um, so it's a little rough to imagine folks watching it on such a small screen. Um, I do have here uh, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Meredith, posted her her attempt at a plot summary of Godzilla vs. Kong um, earlier today. And she wrote, there's an old house cat. Someone <laughs> decide. <laughs> Some, you know, I, I love it already. Uh, <laughs> there's an old house cat. Someone decides that two cats would be nice. The cats disagree. Uh, <laughs> they fight a lot. Then someone is like, oh, wait, let's also get a dog. <laughs> and then the cats are all, oh, this is ridiculous. We hate dogs. <laughs> the <end>. A plus. <laughs> that about sums it up. <laughs> and what else is there to say? Uh... <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> So yeah, um, yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. It's a real, it's a real goofball movie. Um, I will say that, you know, props to whoever is responsible for animating King Kong's emotion, um, mm. because it just gets me. Wow, like that face, that punum. I just can't handle it. <laughs> I did. It was about like twenty, what twenty minutes into the movie, and I was like, if this is this movie gonna make me cry? <laughs> Wait a minute, what? I did. I don't think I did, but. Do you feel uh, like close, maybe thought, close. Yeah, I was going to say, like, apparently if it was enough that you were wondering if it was going to happen, then it, it, it got you pretty damn close. You know, it's the thing. It's about the little girl. It's about Gia. It's about mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. she has the connection to, to King Kong and, and her watching, you know, what they're doing, doing to him. Oh, yeah. one other thing I think that uh, you you really tragically miss out on in watching this from home. I tried to recreate it in our living room, but um, <laughs> it was difficult to, you know, kind of do it by myself was the like crowd reaction during the fight. But uh, the, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Not in my house. You know, that whole thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to, to do it by yourself, but you could imagine, you know, a crowd in the, in mm. the theater would be a little um, get involved and passionate about the fight scenes. I, I admire your commitment to the 4D experience. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I think that's great. I think that's great. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, this movie, it's light, it's playful, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's stupid as shit. Oh, um, yeah. and, uh, and it's generally a good time. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I would say it's a binge it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that's where you were going. Yeah. Um, I, it's still a consume for me. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah, I mean, truly, as long as this kind of movie remembers its its own inherent absurdity, then it's it's good by me. Um, and this one definitely does that. I think it's a I think it's almost like a prescription. I think it's a it's a good it's a good relief uh, release. Yeah. Way to spend time with with family or friends or. Um, yeah. It's it's perfect for for right now also, because I mean, like mm-hmm. no one's going to watch anything heavy. No one's wanting to watch anything <laughs> punishing. Um, so you know. <laughs> the rest of the movies that we're going to review. <laughs> that you watched all today. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what your mind must be feeling right now. I guess mm. I'll find out. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 should say, I was surprised about this movie that like 10, 15 minutes in, I was like, wow, I guess I should have seen the other ones because I don't understand like who these people are and how they know each other. And, and then so it was like, Oh, maybe they, they're not in the previous movies. Like you're just, they're just figuring it out now. Um, which I think was the case for some of it. Uh, yeah. but I also thought that was bold. And also Rebecca Hall. Yeah. Rebecca Hall. 
always a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure to see her. Very fun to imagine her just like reading the script and like pressing her lines. Like, okay, I guess I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, there was only one. There was one prior Godzilla movie that this tied into, uh, which was the last Godzilla movie, which I think was called what Godzilla King of Monsters or something. Um, and that was where Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler's character is tied back to. Ah, uh, okay. But, but there's a previous one from years before that that somehow had Juliette Binoche in it. Um, I think like Juliette Binoche and Brian Cranston were playing like husband oh. and wife scientists or something. Um, but uh, but yeah, it did not tie into that one. So only the last Godzilla movie, which I did not watch, and which seemed like they only brought that back just because they wanted to cash in on Millie Bobby Brown again. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Because yeah, God knows Kyle Chandler is given nothing to do. <laughs> um, Rebecca Hall's character, um, it seemed like they had kind of her and Skarsgård known had known each other from before. And then I just I saw that she had never played in another King yeah. Kong movie. So they just. <laughs> yeah, there was that, that Kong Skull Island movie. And this apparently ties into that because it they talk about Skull Island. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Skarsgård was in that. But no, that was Tom Hiddleston. Uh, mm. which is exact same physical type, but different actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's streaming on HBO max and rated PG 13 movie. Number two. Okay. So movies number two, three, and four, um, are not the, uh, fun escapist <laughs> release of, of Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong. And I think that you're, we're watching, we're reviewing them almost in the order that I watched them. Um, and I think they sort of they're not they're not quite in the order, I think, of descending into the depths of despair that I would put them. But um, mm-hmm. it, we, either way, we'll start with the most. There's, there's a little switcheroo in the second two. You probably would do. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would. Yeah. Agree, and, I, and I would agree with you. I would think so. Yes. Um, so the, the most lighthearted of the three is Shiva Baby. While at a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a college student has an awkward encounter with her sugar daddy and her ex-girlfriend. Relatable. <laughs> I would say that this is a little inaccurate, that it would be a college student has an awkward encounter with everybody at the show. <laughs> ah, true. Touche. Awkwardness abounds. It sure does. Yes. Um, so uh, confession time for me. Um, I wrote this. No. Um, I this the, These next three, of these next three, one of them I watched just today, which is uh, the one that's the saddest one. And the other two, again, I have not watched since September. So um, I am casting a far memory net back uh, to watching Shiva Baby, which I keep wanting to say Shiva Baby because this is a play on the title Shiva Baby. Um, but uh, I, I feel like I, I have read enough reviews to refresh my memory of what it was like watching this. Um, but But generally speaking... I found this delightful to watch. Uh, it is it is certainly very, very cringy, but in a way that felt so farcical um, that, you know, in, in, in the character is sort of so uh, uh, amusing to watch in all of her sort of messy pettiness. Um, I, I, I couldn't help but enjoy the ride. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we also mentioned... Uh, now, now, Rebecca, this movie is 70 minutes long, but it did take you two days to watch it. Is that correct? It did. Yeah, I think I, I watched um, maybe like the first 20 minutes at once. And I my mind was blown when you told me it was 70 minutes um, because it is. <laughs> and I think especially as opposed to the movie that is on the, the, the sadder side of these three movies spectrum, uh, every minute of these 70 minutes is just jam packed. Um, there's not a moment of break in this, in this entire movie. And I think that's the, that's the, um, why I, I don't find it as much of a delight as you do is that it is just incessant, um, overbearing smothering in, in, in showing how the, the character is engages with everybody at the, uh, the funeral. And I, it's very, it's very visceral and it's very, um, it, it leaks into the audience, I think. So let me, I'll read a quote from uh, the Vulture review of of this film. I'm doing quotes today of other reviews uh, um, that I think you might enjoy. Um, so uh, it's talking about uh, how, you know, sort of some of the, the, the superbly pitched comedy uh, comes to sort of take you away from the awkwardness, but only makes the awkwardness more crushing when it returns. Quote, and it is crushing. 
The urge to pause the movie and walk around the block was intense. (laughs) (laughs) Shiva Baby was originally a short, but director Emma Seligman does not throttle back just because she's extended events to fill 70 minutes. At minute 40, I felt I'd lived a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) At minute 50, at minute 50, I could actually imagine how my computer and I were going to get through 20 more minutes together. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and it sounds like that is similar to your experience of watching this film. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it is it is a very intense seventy minutes. It is it is very funny. There there are definitely parts of of um, laugh out loud, uh, but wow, it it's a lot of work to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think part of why it worked for me, and and I think I've also seen this movie compared to everything from The Graduate to Uncut Gems. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and it does almost have like if the Safties were making like if they were like queer sisters <laughs> instead of like bro brothers, then Shiva Baby might be the kind of story that they'd be telling. Um, but there's there's an energy like the energy in this movie is so crackling and so zippy and so consistent um, that I think that really carried me through watching it. Um mm. Because like it really like there's 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 no dull moment, you know, um, like it is a very dense, compacted 70 minutes of social hell and um, and probably did more to make you stay in your house. Uh, <laughs> like, this, is, this is what I'm missing. This is everyone's so eager to get back to um, that Vulture review was also talking about the humidity of the movie. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> he said it's possibly the most humid movie that you'll ever see. Yes, it really is. <laughs> We see the toll impacted on the character's hair as it goes on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's something about the movie feels very, very modern. Um, if only because, you know, we have this uh, young queer protagonist who is a bisexual sex worker um, and, you know, feels no particular compulsion to explain that to anyone, uh, which is great. And, you know, and just and just seeing all the dynamics felt so real and so authentic, like mm. they, it, it was so it, it, you you really effortlessly felt like you were being dropped down into this shiva mm-hmm. um, and that this these were indeed all of the friends and relations that knew this person who are who are heroin. Danielle does not know. Uh, <laughs> not, she's she's not sure who dies. She's not sure why she needs to be there. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I just feel like it has those details, like the, 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 the specificity and the detail of this movie also goes a long way toward making it, I think, ultimately worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked a little bit on the show a couple of episodes ago when, when I'm, I think we we're watching Malcolm and Marie and, uh, I was telling you that my partner's soul was like, why don't they just break up? Uh, and I was like, that's not what movie. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess if you didn't, yeah. And I, I did feel in this movie, why don't you just leave multiple times, <laughs> multiple times throughout it? I, 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 I did feel like there, it wasn't, there wasn't a compelling for how awkward and how terrible things get. Um, and what, what seemed like plenty of, of ability to leave the, uh, leave the house. I was surprised that I didn't feel like there was enough keeping her there to justify, uh, yeah. Yeah, the 70 I guess minutes. I see that. I guess I, I guess felt if like it was real time. It was only 70 minutes. Then I guess it's not that long to say anyway. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and she doesn't get to the, the Shiva until at least probably a good, you know, what, five minutes of the movie or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I feel like it's probably there was some some guilt keeping her there. Mm. Um, you know, just feeling the guilt from her parents, uh, you know, the guilt that she doesn't actually know who Shiva it is um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, who exactly she's meant to be mourning. Um, you know, and there's also, you know, there's so much about her character where she, um, is still very childlike, you know, she's still this kind of like child who's just like going where her parents told her to go, you know? Right. Uh, right. So, so I, I felt like that was part of what sort of made it work for me that she's just there because she feels like, well, it's a Shiva. Like, I don't know whose it is, but like, it would be disrespectful to leave. So I can right. stay here and living hell trapped between, you know, my like secret ex-girlfriend and my secret, you know, sugar daddy and his I guess wife. That's the other question. How come the secret sugar daddy um his character named max doesn't leave i feel like it also would he knows his wife is coming um i i don't know it seems more suspicious if he left uh so he wanted to keep up appearances that nothing was wrong Mm. um and and there is a certain seems like a mutual recklessness right sort of between danielle and max 
Um, and, and also Danielle and what Maya, is that the name of her, right. of her friend, mm-hmm. his girlfriend? So, um, so it does seem like some of them are almost sort of daring each other to see like how close they can come to, you know, getting caught at the Shiva that they're not mm-hmm. sure why they're at. <laughs> um, I'm sure th- this is that kind of rare thing where I almost wish they take this movie and turn it into a play um, <laughs> as, as opposed to the other way around because like this would work so well as a play yeah it really would uh, it would just be like a one act just very compact one act play um, you get in you freak out you hit the you you get the hell out and you <laughs> remember it forever <laughs> uh, and hope you never feel that way again but uh, this is, I believe, this is a, a, a film feature, a feature directorial debut by a queer filmmaker named Emma Seligman, as I mentioned before. Um, it's a it's a pretty impressive calling card. Like, I, I definitely would look forward to seeing uh, uh, what she does in the future. Um, and the, the performance by the actress who plays Danielle, our lead character, is so good. Um, I mean, it's all on her shoulders, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is definitely one of those movies where... Insofar as the tone and the voice and the personality and the point of view of the film come together and and, and land for the audience, it is thanks to her. Right. She tells Absolutely. you what you're supposed to feel as as you go along, but not didactically, you know, in just a, in the way that a, that a good actor does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Knocks it out of the park. Um, what what would you recommend this movie? Are you giving it a binge? I am giving it a binge. Yeah. Ooh. Bold. Yeah. Yeah, this is a definite binge for me. I think this movie is just a real treat, um, even though it is very awkward and cringe. Um, but I guess, again, to me, like, I don't know if it's maybe because I didn't really, I don't know. Maybe it's because I it, it all felt very kind of almost cartoonish to me mm-hmm. um, because, because things are pitched up so high um, that I was able to just kind of not take it very personally you know like mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't feel my yeah. heart wasn't like pounding uh, i wasn't like crawling out of my skin um like to me it is just it's so heightened um that i was able to just kind of enjoy the just just the hilarious roller coaster of over-the-top awkwardness um that unfolds as these characters just can't stop getting in their own way um and keep constantly sabotaging themselves and one another i feel like the the audio really really pushes the limits uh you have a very very intense very um i think the subtitle calls it like discordant music uh <laughs> this like strings violin which I, which also is also present in uh the next movie we talk about Muff, muffy this um really sharp like plucked string um yeah. background sound <laughs> yeah. and then during shiva baby you also have this like big portions of the movie where there's a baby crying um and then you just have the incessant like uh conversations and and like kind of nagging by her mother uh that it builds up a thing and maybe it maybe it's you know uh maybe you have to have a certain kind of mother (laughs) to really react to this (laughs) that might be where i'm coming from um but they made it very 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 uncomfortable yeah um, on the baby crying point, it reminds me once upon a time in the nineties, uh, when Aaliyah's are you that somebody was a hit <laughs> single. Uh, I remember my dad having like a literal near psychotic break while driving around with that song on the radio and being like, I can't fucking stand the fucking baby. <laughs> you like, this is a song. Why would a song do that? Uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, so, so to your point, yes, nothing, nothing quite <laughs> works the nerves like the sound of a crying baby. And that is used judiciously in this film. Um, I think it's really good. I'm giving it a consume plus. Um, and I can't wait to see what comes next from this uh, writer director. Indeed. Shiva baby is available to rent on Apple, Amazon um, and is unrated, but it feels like an R. Our next movie is Mafi. A young man in 1981 South Africa must complete his brutal and racist two years of compulsory military service while desperately maintaining the secrecy of his homosexuality. (sighs) This is the last movie I saw. Um, (laughs) It just kept getting worse. (laughs) And it sounds like you finished it probably not long before we started taping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, this was a last minute replacement for a film that is more or less probably the exact same thing, which is the new Melissa McCarthy movie. Um, <laughs> uh, 
so hard to know which one would have been more punishing for you personally uh, to sit through. Um, that was, what's it called? Super Force, Power Force, whatever, um, versus Mafi. Um, and I had just seen this kind of just start to bubble up. Like this just came out on Friday uh, on VOD and I was seeing it really starting to bubble up in sort of critical circles and, and, you know, and I, I initially, you know, not nothing about it appealed to me. I didn't know what the title meant. Um, it turns out that it is the Afrikaans slang for basically faggot. Um, I'm like, oh, well, that's bold. I actually didn't know that until I was watching it and I looked mm. at the IMDb and then I, I was like, oh, oh. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's 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 bold. There's a a couple of bold things about this movie, um, such as telling a story about apartheid uh, that centers the suffering of of white characters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 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 here's what's interesting is that this this filmmaker, this is this is also a feature directorial debut. Um, The Mm -hmm. director's name is uh, Oliver uh, Hermanus. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And (laughs) he is, let's say Hermanus. And he was nominated for uh, the BAFTA for Best Feature Debut for this film. Um, And he is a mixed race man, a queer man, uh, and I believe from South Africa. And uh, so this is a personal story. So kind of when I found that out, it took some of the sting of of kind of like the self-righteous attack I was mounting um, out of it to, to find out that it was actually a queer director of color who made it. So it seems like, you know, and it's based on a memoir. Um, so this is kind of, you know, based somewhat on, 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 on true story. And, and of course the, the, the background, the setting of this is all, is all completely true. Um, you know, we have a, a story that takes place at a point in time in South Africa during apartheid where all white boys were forced to conscribe for two years of military service, um, at the age of 16, uh, to basically, you know, defend apartheid, to to keep uh, the white minority in South Africa in power, um, which is, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know. I feel like apartheid is generally a bit of a, a bit of a blind spot for me, aside from, you know, sort of just stories around Nelson Mandela specifically. So uh, so this is this was this was somewhat eye opening uh, for me. I certainly wasn't aware of the compulsory military service that these boys were forced into it so young. Um, so it, I, I feel like I learned a lot, uh, from this movie, uh, but the movie just kind of communicates most of what I learned through title cards, uh, not necessarily through the story that it tells. It's funny that you say you learn, learn a lot. You're kind of starting out with this, um, you know, the, your initial response to, you know, being put in the shoes of, of feeling empathy or sympathy for, uh, a member of the apartheid military and then learning a lot. But then when I'm, I'm looking at IMDb and the plot keywords are, Male rear nudity. <laughs> there are some fine asses. <laughs> Male nudity. Skinny dipping. Gay, gay teenager. <laughs> Communal shower. <laughs> okay, so fine. I may have had my notification alerts go off in like a, a deafening cacophony when this movie was released. And I was like, hi Wait, hold on. You know, sorry, McCarthy and Spencer. Maybe next time. <laughs> All those apartheid <laughs> alerts you have set up. <laughs> I'm like, so wait, I can watch a movie that is theoretically about black suffering, but it's actually about beautiful white boys playing grab ass in the shower. Okay. <laughs> Why didn't anyone say this earlier? <laughs> Burying the lead. My we felt ma- very, very male gazy. Yes. It's hard yes. to believe that the you're going to take conscription and then be like, and every single one of these boys was a smoking hottie who had clearly <laughs> been working out before they were forced to go to the military. <laughs> it's true. There's really there's there's no chubby ones. No. Uh, like one like, kind of skinny one. But other than that. Yeah. Yeah. These are all these are all uh, uh, Abercrombie model boys. Um, so so there is there 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 is that sense. And the, the camera does a bit of lingering mm-hmm. uh, in in the communal shower scenes and whatnot. Um, and, and part of that, of course, could be, you know, viewed as, as communicating the sort of repressed gay desire of our of our main character, uh, whose name I've already forgotten. Um, Nicholas. Oh, yeah. Nicholas. 
And uh, but it's not necessarily him. Like he's just like off there in the corner somewhere. So it feels almost, you know, more like, uh, you know, it's it's also communicating the sort of the, the irony of, of homophobia that so much homophobia is is sort of uh, uh, perpetuated by extremely homoerotic <laughs> straight men. Hmm. Um, who, uh, you know, who, who love getting up to Top Gun style shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> there is a beach volleyball scene. <laughs> there is. And it does not end the same way as the one in Top Gun. No, no, does not, does not. Although when that thing happens, I was like, now who was that? Um, because hmm. a lot of the characters do look quite similar to each other. And that this. was not uh, one of the smoke shows. No, no, and that might be why he did. He was like, "Listen, I know it's going to be." It's like it's like me going to West Hollywood. I'm just like, "Oh my god, I don't know if I can take this." Um, so it's like this is too much pressure. Um, you know, gay body image issues are very real, very real. Um, so uh, yeah, so we have you know this story that uh, you know is is you know I suppose this this director is wanting to really train his gaze on. The sort of, I guess you could say, the the hypocrisy of the you know apartheid military in a way, um, you know that that the they are being used to enforce all these various sort of violent forms of sort of you know forced hegemony, if that's how that's pronounced, um, and you know to sort of um, you know keep down, of course, first and foremost, um, black, indigenous, African people, um, but are also in the way that the Nazis were also just kind of everyone who is not exactly what they are mm. um you know and this extends to gay people as well and you know and we see that and in a very harrowing flashback that certainly was triggering for me let me tell you um really uh oh yeah oh yeah uh i i i i have spent many a leisurely you know pool afternoon um doing exactly what he's doing in that scene and uh, and that's always your worst fear. Uh, exactly what happens. And it goes way further than I ever imagined it going. Um, but uh, but, you know, so we see it's not just, um, you know, apartheid military. It's also just sort of this 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 culture, this, you know, this white culture of, 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 of South Africa that is, you know, exerting this homophobia. And also, you know, this film, the present tense parts take place in 81. So that would have mm-hmm. been, you know, 70s. Um, but, you know, so we could see this as an attempt to sort of explain and anatomize the sort of identity of, of sort of like the oppressive white supremacist uh, male culture that uh, that enacted and perpetuated and upheld uh, apartheid and to sort of try to tell that story through the lens of this sort of outsider who is, you know, who is a closeted gay boy uh, who is hiding it at all costs. And we see he, as he kind of, you know, loses his his humanity as he goes through this very grueling Full Metal Jacket style boot camp. Um, but it ultimately does feel like it is about more than anything else, this kind of will they won't they thing he has with another one of the uh, soldiers. And it just it, at a certain point, I felt like it was somewhat tasteless that that's what mm-hmm. it was about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, there are two shots in the film that are very pointed and very long shots of a black character suffering. Um, and it feels like it's a very intentional choice that each time that it happens, the director really holds the camera on these faces of these, of these men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, wanting to, uh, to, I guess, provide a counter balance to everything that we're seeing and, and a reminder of what the cost was for this, but also, of course, those these these there are no actual black characters in the movie. Right. Um, you know, it is these are both men who we've just met when they are have these terrible things happen to them. So you know, to have those to have the characters those characters kind of non-existent really, and to focus so entirely on all uh, in these various sort of these identity clashes amongst. Uh, the the white men of the apartheid military, and to not really have like a really a, a point, it felt like in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it'd be one thing if it was all going somewhere, and I appreciated you know at the end, the end is is unsatisfying, and in in a way, it was a, a moment where I was actually relieved for once to have the ending of a movie be um, unsatisfying. Yes, a hundred percent agree. Yeah, because it would that would have been truly distasteful. That would have circled back to your original, you know thoughts about the movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, it, that was a very um, necessary 
way to to end that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's it's a it's a, this is a film that that truly has the cinematography of this film. To go back to our usual default, of all, it looks great. Um, yeah, it really does. It is stunningly, stunningly photographed. It reminded me of of Claire Denis, uh, Beau Travail. Uh, it is it is just incredible, incredible photography in a in a smaller aspect ratio, not full widescreen, um, which normally annoys me. Um, but uh, but in this one, uh, uh, it worked. Um, you know, the acting, I guess, is good. Um, at no point was I like, that's a bad actor. But, you know, the lead, <laughs> the lead actor, I couldn't tell if I thought he was great or was just a total blank. Um, <laughs> um, you know, or like there was that reductionist article, like, is he handsome or is he just tall? Um, and, um, <laughs> do you need to go to business school or just lay down and take a nap <laughs> yes exactly, exactly. <laughs> um so uh but yeah what, what were over some of your thoughts on this one yeah it, it felt ultimately you know what is the takeaway for for putting yourself through this punishing this one is definitely longer than 70 minutes so it's like what uh, an hour 40 i think yeah. Um, this this grueling, thankless um, experience, and I, I mean that that of course is also the point of view of the main character. Um, you're just trapped, and and that's kind of the theme I think of all three of these movies is being trapped between lose lose situations, um, nowhere to find like your space or to be comfortable, and being forced into uh, awkward, painful torturous situations by the will of others that are, are not your own. Um, but in, in Mafi, it just, it's not clear why. Um, and would it be realistic to have a bunch of 16 year old boys who are being, uh, you know, molded into killing machines have, you know, thoughtful, provocative conversations. And, and that's, you know, the takeaway, I, I think that that might be unrealistic, but um, it just it just doesn't seem like it's worth watching all the the meat grinding other than to just remind yourself once again how toxic the military and men and racism is, mm-hmm. which right. I think we get. <laughs> I think I think the payoff is the butts if you're into that thing. Yeah, yeah, and like those will surely be available online, independent of needing to watch them in the full movie. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if it's worth watching just for that. Uh, and also, you know, and, and there is ultimately no, um, you know, not spoiler to say that there's and there's no on-screen uh, sex of any kind uh, that 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 ultimately happens. Um, but uh, you know, the funny thing when I was doing the script for this episode, this movie went in the exact same spot the previous episode had Moxie. So Moxie v Mafi, who you got? Oh God! I guess Moxie. Yeah, yeah, same. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I feel on some level, I feel kind of um, my whatever indignant outrage on behalf of of you know in, in, uh, indigenous Africans, you know, in the suffering during apartheid, you know, could be misplaced if somebody if you know if this is a South African production and folks, this is apparently is a film that that went over very huge when it came out. It was released in South Africa prior to lockdown. Um, so, but I mean, just so just my, my purely obviously my own um, frame of reference and perspective, it, it just felt somewhat in poor taste. Um, although I did know from 90 Day Fiance mm-hmm. about the word about the word brew. Um, mm. And that brew is like Afrikaans for like bro or dude, because there is a gentleman by the name of Sinjin on a fiance who is uh, white South African and him and his friends are always yelling brew at each other. And I'm always like, this is the stupidest fucking word. And, uh, and then this movie was like, oh, OK, so it's not just something they made up. This is just a word. <laughs> so very, very, very nice to just connect those dots. So I'll say that for this movie. It helped me connect a dot for a fiance. Yeah, I don't know. A movie doesn't have to, you know, have a redemption arc or be feel good. And I feel like there's a period of time where I would say, like, oh, this movie is so punishing. And and I don't know, there was something masochistic and to find in that and, and call it great or recommend it. Maybe it's being older. Maybe it's anything past 2020. But it just didn't seem like the uh, the juice was worth the squeeze on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would feel 
you know, that it was somewhat more worth it if it was kind of more pointedly about the protagonist having any kind of realization, mm-hmm. um, you know, like if he had found himself realizing through the way that he is being othered as a gay mm-hmm. man um, to help him understand. And of course not, I mean, he didn't choose to go into the military, uh, you right. know, like this, this was a compulsory thing. This is a draft. You had to do it. Um, but, you know, if we were meant to have an understanding watching him that he was understanding that, especially in a sort of pivotal moment toward the end in a battle scene, mm-hmm. if we were meant to understand from that, that he was having that realization, it, it did not come through to me. Um, no, so, no. I, so as a result, it just kind of feels like a movie about, it's just like, it just feels like it commits the very heinous, tasteless sin of like telling like a gay coming of age romance stories <laughs> against the backdrop of apartheid. Right. Um, and, the, and the romance is entirely about cute little white boys. So Right, right. It does so, seem, yeah. you, you can't not talk about it. No. You can't choose the movie, train the movie with, with that as your, your main character and then also not talk about the greater <laughs> backdrop. You don't, get the, yes. you don't get to do that. Yeah, it's challenging. It's challenging. I was almost hoping that like the final scene would be like, involve them being gunned down by indigenous <laughs> 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 Which is, ended up being the final scene that I had wanted for Shiva Baby, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's the scene we got, and I care a lot. So once again, I care a lot of superior <laughs> to everything. I care a lot remains the movie of the year. <laughs> this um, one, I'm giving it a send it back. Yeah, yeah. I guess I can't, I don't know. I mean, part of me wants to give it a consume just because like the filmmaking is so great um, in terms of, you know, the photography is incredible. Um, Have you ever has... seen Triumph of a Will? Of a Will? Vengeance. So I'll give this one a consume minus. We'll call it that. Um, where, you know, the it has it has the technical aspects that that make it seem like a, a good film. But but it, it but the, the principles uh, and optics are just really hard to, to, to swallow. Yes. And uh, this one is available on uh, Apple TV, Google Play, Amazon Prime, and it is not rated, I don't think. No. Uh, but definitely an R. <laughs> for, all, for all those sweet butts. <laughs> well, uh, our last movie of the week is Concrete Cowboy. Sent to live with his estranged father for the summer, Rebellious teen Cole finds kinship in a tight-knit Philadelphia community of black cowboys. This is a Netflix-only streamer, huh? It is, and I watched it at TIFF, Ding, online edition this past September, um, before Netflix acquired it, I believe. And uh, and now it's out, and no one cares. But here we are reviewing it anyway. <laughs> Um, this movie felt like a vehicle to show Idris Elba in a jauntily tipped cowboy hat. <laughs> in that regard, I guess it's a success. Like in that, in that, <laughs> and perhaps not many others. But in that regard, it is a huge win uh, because you do indeed get to spend a good two hours looking at Idris Elba saunter around dressed like a cowboy. And mm-hmm. and who could be mad at that? That is everyone's type. <laughs> um. This had a very, I think, so we were talking about these, my partner Sol and I were talking about these three movies um, after we watched them, and we were kind of rating them on a uh, classic 30 rock scale, uh, hard to watch uh, <laughs> scale. You know, what right. is a movie that is uh, painful because it's uh, telling a, a difficult story, and what is, which is a movie that is painful because it is either, you know, awards bait or it just feels inauthentic to the story. Right. Right. This one, unfortunately, came out on the hard to watch side. And mm-hmm. and I think it boils down to you have a fresh point of view in telling the story of this community of black cowboys in Philadelphia. But mm-hmm. you still manage to, to get into that story by telling a uh, the the story of of Cole and his family and his the choices he has to make around like do I be a drug dealer or do I be a black cowboy um, that felt unnecessarily uh, tropish. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I I will not pretend that I was aware that there was such a thing as these sort of um, these 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 black cowboy subcultures of, of of riders in urban riders I think it's called in in apparently cities 
not just Philadelphia, but in, in, in Philadelphia in this particular film. I was not aware of that. I found that insanely fascinating. And yet the movie kind of squanders that by uh, by kind of backburnering that and using it as the backdrop for a really cliche, standard, maudlin fucking morality play uh, that mm-hmm. could have been an after school special. Like if you are wanting me to sign up for a movie that's about like uh, a rebellious teen who needs to learn to be broken like a horse so he can respect mm. his father and do what his dad says, I will never be down with that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is way too like my teenage self is still in there. Like, yeah, well, fuck you. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. I will never, ever, ever be like, oh, you know what? I really like that scared straight story. Like <laughs> the, the, the paternalism. Fuck you. Are you kidding me? Like, I hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm, I'm angry that this movie takes these great actors. Idris Elba, as we mentioned, the Cole is played by Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger mm-hmm. Things, who's wonderful. Um, Lorraine Toussaint, who is mm-hmm. always uh, just like every time I see her, I'm just like, oh, there you are. I love you. Um, you know, with Jarell Jerome, the genius, the brilliant uh, from Moonlight and When They See Us. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Red Man <laughs> uh, or is it Method Man? Method Man. Thank you. It's been a while. Um, and I'm like, which of the how high guys? <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's, and, you know it's, it's of course, you know, it looks great, but it is just the this script should be burned. This is mm-hmm. this is a terrible, terrible, terrible script. I don't care how truthful it is to whoever's story like this is not make a good movie. This is this is just some 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 bullshit. Uh, it's, it really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, same. I think um, just the 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 story of um, Cole is having a hard time in school. His mom drops him off, drives him from Detroit to drop him off with his father in uh, played by Idris Elba in Philadelphia. And then, like from the jump, it's just he, there's no welcome, no love, like nothing shown to this this kid. Um, and and that's where it really was like the exact realization that you had, like, Oh, this is going to be, um, some patriarchal bullshit, tough love, Mm -hmm. super machismo. Like what, why just go sell drugs? Like (laughs) dad's an (laughs) asshole. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, what a a waste of the, what a waste of the cowboy story. Complete waste of the cowboy story has nothing to do with that. And it'd be one thing if it had any real sort of like, moral ambiguity around like you know like Idris's character also kind of like being meant under to be understood as like a flawed asshole mm-hmm. and you know which like I feel like they they hint at a little bit but ultimately not really like he there's no like big uh you know teary like oh I've been a terrible father moment Mm-mm. um you know like ultimately it kind of upholds him as it it, it, it upholds this idea that you could be a fucking piece of shit but if you're the patriarch, then everyone needs to bow the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this it's it's just so hard um, and, and to, 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 to get past that when when assessing this movie. Um, and, you know, and, and especially because, like, yeah, like it, 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 it depicts it as working, you know, like it's it ultimately, you know, uh, it, it you know breaks this boy. And, you know, he understands uh, what is meant to be understood uh, by this kind of unforgivable treatment. And, you know, and it, it does feel like Moffy, I guess, in that way that we're watching the story about an adolescent boy who is forced um, into this horrifying kind of boot camp style experience. Um, you know, and although, you know, in this one, it's really just, you know, having to shovel a lot of shit literally and figuratively. Um, but there's no grab ass to be had. So (laughs) that is true. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's a bummer. Um, you know, seeing this cast, seeing this kind of fascinating, uh, subculture that this movie is set in, it could have and should have been so much more. And there's little hints every now and then where we see sort of elements about the the community angle of, of these uh, urban writers, um, where it's like, Oh, okay, that's cool. That's fascinating. Like let's, let's more of that, please in less of this just complete bullshit um, A story. But the movie, it really is committed to telling that A story. And Mm -hmm. as a result, the whole thing just goes down in flames. Yeah, I think the best part of the movie was, um, you know, the post-credit scene where they interview some of the actors who are um, really a part of this community. 
Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating. And it's a shame that <laughs> yeah. they uh, the, they sort of wasted this really interesting story on, on just old tropes. Yeah. Do you uh, do you wish that we had done the Melissa McCarthy movie in, the, in place of one of these last no. three? No. <laughs> so you'd still rather suffer through very, very heavy movies than deal with another Ben Falcone production? Yeah, there's something about that last uh, that last one that really just it broke you. Yeah, it really broke me. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think it's easier to try to see someone tell a deep story and fail than someone try to be funny and fail. Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's less. There's something that's somehow almost. There's something that's more depressing and more soul killing about an unsuccessful comedy. Yeah, it's like you really didn't have to. No one asked you to. At least no. this one, you're trying to tell a thing and. You got your signals mixed a little bit, um, but in a comedy, there's like a lot of like you know the hubris behind it. Like I think I'm funny, and I think this story is funny, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true because even in an unsuccessful drama, like the plot points will still generally hit, and uh, you understand like you know the, the emotions may or you may or may not still feel the emotional beats you're supposed to feel, um, but you'll have you know you'll the performances are there and the you know the filmmaking and all the rest of it. Whereas an unsuccessful comedy really just feels like, uh, I don't know, it just feels wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So I, so I'm with you. And so we stand by our choice to do these three <laughs> movies instead of whatever the movie is called with Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Yes. Whatever, whatever that's called. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, this one is uh, on Netflix only streaming and it is rated R. Where are you giving it? Oh, uh, consume minus. I think this one's a send it back for me. So I think oh. we, we flip we flip flopping these last two. I just can't think of a yeah, it's just it's just yeah. For for the reasons that I vehemently stated, I <laughs> I have to give this one a send it back. Yeah, I guess there aren't any um any butts for you to look at no, look at in this no one. Butts. Yeah. No butts. No, Idris in a in a cowboy hat was close, but uh, <laughs> no cigar. Um that's it. Those are all the movies this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the binge. Be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts. And Jason is on Twitter at Excess Baggage. I'm Fight Balance. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.